the Podjectivity Network. What kind of coffee are we looking at here from Thank Airfield you. Coffee Company? Right now, I am looking at a Bali medium dark. It smells like oh, afterglow in the tropics. Whoa. I'm just going to squeeze this bag, listeners. Smell those beans. Mm. Oh, yeah. God, Take it in. Smell that? Oh, my God. Uh, Chocolate Deerfield notes. Coffee Company. Watch out. Solving everything. Mm. Brought to you by... It's not even funny. Deerfield Coffee Company. They're better than anything and made by a really nice guy. There's now studies saying that caffeine is actually good for you. Mm. In doses. Nicotine no wonder. No wonder can be so good healthy. for you. So anyone. long as it's not attached to a burning carcinogen. None of us followed up on our vow to pick up smoking. Mm. We didn't. Not yet. Well, not yet. Not hand, yet. <laughs> I've actually started hand rolling my own with no filter mm. and just going hard. I did that for a while. Cowboy style. But it's rough on the lungs. And I wasn't using high quality tobacco. I was using like gas station tobacco to do it. I just wanted to feel like. High quality tobacco. I was trying to shift my smoking habit to something different so that I wasn't just smoking Marlboros. And so yeah. I was like, well, I'll try unfiltered Marlboros for a while. Ooh, we all tried that, didn't we? Rough. And then I'm like, this isn't really working. I'm going to just go with rolling my own, and maybe that will help me quit because it's so harsh and intense. Mm. And, and it does and make you hassle. cut down. You so roll it up and do the thing before you just it's grab pain. it. In the Marlboro family of cigarette products, there's a, is there an unfiltered one? Yeah. Like we should do a podcast where we all choke down an unfiltered cigarette oh and try and talk there through it. There used to be. So, in Maybe my smoking days, uh, you knew you were tough. E- even a even a marb red was rough for me. Mm. Or a camel filter, not a camel light, but just camel filters. Yeah, those What's were more rough. Pathetic sounding than a light cigarette. What the, the fuck does that? I be? tried Less the f- cancer. The camel straights, I believe. You know, n- no filter. I just you th- it's straights. Is that what you say? I have no idea. Uh, tried those. Bad. Bad. <clears throat> Uh, sore throat oh rough rough yeah i bought a carton of camel filters to be a tough guy and then you smoke uh, like two (laughs) that was a long that was a long couple weeks yeah yeah so the smoking the rolling your own was that more of a image thing or was that more of like a for the plan were you rolling doobies at the time i liked rolling things yes i was by myself Mm. road tripping so it wasn't for image, I was really trying to break that, Cut shift the habit. Mm. I was trying to shift the habit, like switching from coffee to espresso or something. Mm. You know what I mean? Just yeah. do something different to see if it knocked something loose in my brain. Mm, so the, the corporate cigarette is filled with, besides the tar and the nicotine and everything, isn't it a a whole panel of chemicals that are right? That's why American spirits were supposed to be cigarettes with integrity, things that could kill you but with honor. It with y- <laughs> right indignity. It used to be for the land <laughs> and the uh, Native American and my I'll people. See <laughs> That's the picture on there. Yeah, honoring the land that we stole. Dying. I will like look it people. up while you guys. Wow. Uh, 
I'll look up the ingredients because there have to be regulations now, right? Oh, heavens. What are the chemicals in Marlboro? Acetone. Mm. Oh, found in nail polish remover. Oh. Acetic acid, an ingredient in hair dye. Ammonia. This can't be right. And there's reasons for this, too. It's like so that the paper doesn't burn as fast or like whatever. Like arsenic. There's arsenic. This is from the American Lung Association. So it's not just someone's blog. It's an arsenic poison. Wow. It's used in rat poison. Benzene found in rubber cement. Butane. Lighter fluid. Cadmium. Active component in. Anyone? Batteries. Yeah. Good job. Well done. I I like to sometimes light batteries on fire and then just inhale the fumes from... Carbon monoxide. Put a towel over it. Oh, here's a fun one. Huff. Your mom's history... You're a huffer. um, At funeral homes, you might know this. Formaldehyde. Used for? Embalming. Mm Mm-hmm. Hexamine. Found it in barbecue lighter fluid. Lead. Mm, it, it, does it delicious? That gives it a nice, m- nice tangy flavor. Any reasons for this stuff, or just tar? There's heavy metals in in commercial deodorant too. Have you ever checked that out? No. Like aluminum. That's why you have to spend twelve dollars on deodorant now. Yeah, yeah. On your Lume. Although you can make your own deodorant. Did you guys know that? I can tell you the recipe right now. I'm not going right to do it. It's really know. easy. Baking soda, vitamin E, coconut oil. And then like little essential oil. That's it. And barbecue sauce. P- keep it sauce. in the fridge. And Cheap. And, and Heinz 57. And it keeps you <laughs> smelling better than Tom's of Maine, I would smelling argue. Smelling better. Yeah. We- Tom's of Maine doesn't work. There's some out there that work. I, I want to go back to the cigarette thing because I don't know why would they put all that shit in there. There have to be reasons. I think like Dan was saying the preservative sort of nature or like uh you know it burns more evenly or there it's engineered to like be a you know same reason that they do all the shit that they do to lunch meat or whatever before it reaches your sandwich it's just processing you know process, i think a processing like a real throwback here like an executive from big tobacco would they would point to the like uh when the cigarette is not puffed for a certain amount of time, it puts itself, you know, the there's a flame retardant quality that it put, you know, you've seen that, right? The yeah. The cigarette will put itself out if it's not actively puffed. Right. So all those chemicals puff the cigarette for you. I, I, or it keeps it from being, from burning too quickly. That there makes sense. That's There's an idea. Sort of. Avid listeners will know that Chris started smoking in her teen years. It did something for your mood. Like people I've heard, like, you know, once you get addicted, you got to maintain your addiction. And and if you get a withdrawal or you go too long, like, Mm -hmm. oh, God, getting back to it, you know, is such a fucking relief and relief. I I think when you start that as a youth, it is a thousand percent to rebel. Mm. And to that's feel, where I was going is why. Yeah. To feel like you have an escape from it's graffiti. It's the monotony. Hot, what? How old were you? I was still taking dance class because I remember stealing cigarettes from my dance teacher. Mm. She would put a record. Five, six, seven, eight. She'd put a record on in her little cubby closet. What a badass Adams was, huh? Stealing from her dance instructor. Yeah. How old? At how old? 
12 maybe whoa i was gonna say like 14 i didn't realize it was that bad i'm not i couldn't say for sure middle school is heading into high school getting curious it's worse than we thought 12 it's worse yeah and i remember waiting for my parents to leave so i could go in my backyard and i think i was just stealing like not fresh ones just like if she had a half a one in her ashtray Mm. i would just take that because i knew Mm -hmm. she wouldn't notice it Wow. I was worried. I didn't want to get caught. What's sadder than grabbing butts out of an ashtray and smoking them? That is commitment. Grabbing man. them from the gutter, I would be a gutter. Sadder. I guess is worse, but still, you were, you were a modest beginning into smoking. You wait for your parents to clear out. You go into the backyard. You hide from your sister too, who's yeah. probably wouldn't judge that favorably. I remember they tasted horrible as cigarettes do, mm. but right. I was like, this is awesome. Did you drink anything with it to wash it down, or were you just going straight, like a mm. diet coke in the eighties, something along, uh, <laughs> a right a super soda, big gulp. Uh, tab, diet coke, super big gulp was my go-to drink, but I super big gulp, not super. just a big gulp, but like the super next level. Yeah, was it when it was full? Did you have to use two hands to hold it up? Have you ever seen a super big gulp? I don't mm. know that I have. I grew up in the country, so oh my I suppose god, I have, but. How many ounces it's like have you had to project? the size of a Boda box of wine. Is it a gallon of liquid? I'll look it up for Probably. you. Probably. All right, I'll look anyway. It up. So you'd get a gallon of soda and just work <laughs> through that roughly. <laughs> so it starts at 12, but it continues through high school. Stealing smokes, it drinking the big It became easier when, that was just to experiment. And Eating then some when Funyuns. I, I don't like Funyuns. Never have, but. When you get old enough to have your driver's license, and my parents bought a car from a f- friend's grandfather, like an Oldsmobile. So it was a smelly right old That was my first car. Mobile. Dead man Oldsmobile. That was all mine. And did it already stink in there? Did fingers it smell crossed, like a dead person? There, it, it didn't smell like dead. Did it smell like ointment? Dead men in there or ointment. Did it at least smell like smoking? <laughs> it smelled like my Chris pulled the butts out my of the cigarettes. and fucking lit it up in I'm there. sure I would have if he had smoked <laughs> but he, this car also the gas pedal would remain down mm. so we all always said that it stuck yeah like we thought oh. it was haunted because it was he died pedal and that's how I got the, the car and that thing was it, it a, cost was $500 it a $500 Cutlass Supreme I can look up I'd have to look well, at the picture an I think is a Cutlass right you're in the right ballpark there but Saber. The 98, perhaps. White on the outside, White. red on the inside. Ooh, red, interior crushed red. sort of cloth, uh, a plushy sort of in, uh, interior on a Buick we're talking? or the Oldsmobile? Or Olds. I'm not sure. I'd have to look that up. But uh, it, it had, I'm, I'll probably guarantee you, probably ashtray still in the, in the car and maybe one of those push lighters. Oh, yeah. Of push course. Ashtrays. Yeah. Maybe ashtrays in the door handles. Of course. Yeah. Flip up. Yeah. yeah. For the passengers. And, you know. and once you once you have the... <laughs> For the kids in the back. The driver... Right. Why do you have ashtray in the back seat? Good point. For once you get your driver's license, you can just drive around your neighborhood smoking mm. and no one's going to know. It's not a crime. Probably. Or even if it is a crime, like no one's policing that shit because you're, you got a little privacy. You got a little buffer between you and the world when you have your wheels. And like, yeah, the freedom that that represents is even though you're still subject to some laws, you do feel like this is my space. Yeah. And when I was a sophomore in high school, my parents got divorced and my friends all chipped in and got me a leather jacket 
So that was all I wanted. Was black? A black leather jacket. Holy shit, Dan. Sweet. Did you wear a shirt underneath it or not? Shirtless in school <laughs> all the time. Whoa. Yeah. And jean, yeah, just a jean skirt. That, Daisy Dukes, yeah, that vest, yeah, and that's it? That's it. <laughs> so really, that was me. And Tramp stamp, done. But I will say this. Smoking cigarettes in a leather jacket, I never felt cooler in my life. And it had that smell then of like smoky leather, mm-hmm. which made you feel like the world's biggest badass. This calls to mind, remember uh, Royal Tannenbaums when Bill Murray gets a private eye to follow Gwyneth Paltrow, his <laughs> ethereal wife around? And he, he reads that whole wild report of dozens of lurid affairs in every corner of the globe and... <laughs> Uh, bullfights on acid and all this kind of stuff mm. and he closes the thing up and goes she smokes <laughs> all right uh, you smoked as a preteen you smoked as a teen you smoked in high school I would say I experimented you smoked into as college a I don't I didn't take it Did you, you smoked into college it wasn't when you were like smoking before school in eighth grade or anything like everybody that. knows that smoking ain't allowed in school uh I was trying to use like a court term on you there. Yeah, uh, I'm not I, finished. I smoked it as the a witness fr- will freshman in stand college. Down. I would go down to the uh, first floor of my dorm because you couldn't smoke in your dorm room. So I'd go down the first floor into the bathroom, like the public bathroom of the dorm, mm-hmm. smoke in there because no one uh, paid any. It's attention. It's a nice place to hang out and relax too. The bathroom with the tile and the stalls and so the ambiance, right yeah. and the smell is nice i think that part of the allure though was hiding like sure. you're doing something forbidden fruit. sinful kind of yeah forbidden fruit you know what also is weird about it is that you would choose something so stubbornly self-destructive to assert your independence you know like mm-hmm. you can't stop me from hurting myself what are the other options poisoning myself though? i'll show I've, you that's his that oldest can, time yeah but i mean it's 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 a paradise. specifically smoking like I think he, like my folks smoked when it was good for you, and athletes. <laughs> Ted Williams smoked like pregnant mm. ladies. What is really it? Chesterfields really eased you know? the birth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like Smoke baseball right players the and delivery uh, doctors on TV. Where mm-hmm. I was going though is, and you smoked into college a little bit or just freshman yep. year? Freshman year, sophomore year, <laughs> out. Yep, driving out to Colorado. Couple years in Colorado. Okay. All the time I was in Colorado. Well, I'm wondering, did you ever enjoy it? I loved smoking. Okay. So yeah. there was, it was satisfying and tasty there for a while. The only thing I did not like was how it made my hair smell. Mm. And you become desensitized to the smell of your house. Sure. But yeah, I loved your it. Your lungs mm. were it was young such a enough. a great ritual. Your lungs right? were young enough that they could take that abuse and you could still... Not be like hacking and, you know, feeling winded when you went upstairs to, you know. I wasn't doing a whole lot of exercise out there at that time. So, I mean, we'd hike in the mountains occasionally. But it seems like something that would go really, really badly with smoking a lot of cigarettes. And you're, but you're young, so you don't feel it yet. Young lungs, yeah. You still feel fine. Uh, Yeah. There's nothing creaking yet or. Mm -hmm. I think probably the, the least healthy peak the apex of debauchery mm. no does debauchery mean dirty or debauchery mean yeah, you were having orgies just then. partying no. 
Uh, debauchery means abusing yourself. Lung yeah. debauchery. Yeah, I'm, I'll go with that. Being apex, hedonistic. You were. It was a hedonistic time, pleasure seeking. My tolerance was at six beers a night, so like a six pack of Sierra Nevada. Mm. That's not a weak beer either, dude. And a pack. Respect. A day, maybe pack and a half. Holy shit balls! So that was like a, a maybe You're going hard a month and a half of that before I was like. I'm feeling this yeah. in a way that is unpleasant. That's going hard, man. That mm-hmm. is finding your limits, though, right? Like, yeah. And uh, there's a part of me up. then too where you're like, it's expensive, mm-hmm. and my tolerance is just going up, and so it's sort of like, what's the end game of this? I there, there's no good direction where this would go. Hmm. So then, at some point, that kicks in. Common sense kicks in. How your body feels kicks Start in. listening to yourself a little bit. Yeah. And then it's, you kind of come down the, from the apex, work your way down. It was like that, 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 uh, <laughs> that climber movie that we watched where the guy described his drug exploration. And he said, I got to the point where I wasn't motivated to do anything without being high. Yeah. That's a sign. And then I was like, wait a minute, my dependence on this or the, amount that this matters you know Mm. is a burden Mm -hmm. you know and he just needed to free himself from it and you know he met a woman that i think opened his heart in some interesting ways but then also led him back or led himself back to like the climbing and the physical challenge it's not as immediate the kind of gratification you get from that but like to scale a fucking mountain and stand on it Mm -hmm. and do the things that that guy did even if it's questionably pointless like it's a great accomplishment but other than this abstract notion of inspiring people to pursue their dreams and do their best like it's not like he saved anybody's life or did important work in the way that like a maybe a doctor or nurses right now or Mm. people like that do service work right but it was treated like it was really something special because he risked his life well there's something really valuable about finding your own boundaries instead of having boundaries set and i think from the very first cigarette that's ultimately what most kids are looking for they're i love to speak for every human child broad brush (laughs) broad little brush (laughs) but it's true because when when your boundaries are really strict or rigid like Catholicism or mm. if your parents are really strict or whatever mm. it is, then you're looking for ways to go out to find your own boundaries, make your own boundaries, mm. right? So true. So I think cigarettes is one way. Drinking is another. Weed. Sex. Sex. Miserable friendships. You know, just finding those inner... Um, I've heard about this with kids too, raising kids. You, the philosophy that you don't say, hey, that's too high, get down from there. You let them go because if you don't, then they don't get that feeling in their gut that's like, oh my God, I think I'm too high. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if they don't tune attune to that, then they're missing out on that sense. How mu- yeah. How much of it is just still the immaturity of like negative attention is better than no attention at all too. So I'm going to do this naughty yeah. thing. Mm-mm. They, I never got caught. 
you're going to mess around and drag me right into my smoking biography. <laughs> uh, started in college and just mostly a social thing. No rebellion. No. I mean, maybe a little like, yeah, mom and dad can't tell me what to do. But and it wasn't. But it was just a couple years in. You, yeah. Yeah. And just started hanging around with people who smoked. And uh, the restaurant I worked at, I cleaned in the morning. Uh, there was a the smoke break was that important? Well, there was a the other one of the other cleaners was a an art an art major art guy. Um, gave zero fucks about anything conventional and like mm-hmm. smoked like a chimney. And when I started working with him, I was like, "Hey, hey, what, you, you smoke? <laughs> you you drink coffee?" And he was just like, you know. You can imagine how that came off. Mm. And uh, yeah, so I like I tried coffee and pretty much got hooked on that and then had a smoke and felt like one of the one of the gang. And yeah, smoked for a few years. And it was a it was very social. And what you said about the the got some lives to spare. Those are the days when you like relish how bad you feel after a big bender. You and all your buddies like sitting in the living room with a game on Mm. and nobody, everyone's in just agony, but it's, but it's funny. And sure. You take a cup of ibuprofen, you eat some ramen, you shake it off. You, it's like their physical recovery. You know what? I've told this story. So, and the next day you sit, you smoke. Like, I feel like shit. All we can do is sit here and smoke. Smoke cigarettes. We can't even go get food. The burning dog. (laughs) Oh, it hurts too much to go get food. Let's just smoke. There's like half-eaten pizza from last night. It's cold. No one put it in. That's fine. We'll just eat that. Whatever. (laughs) Anybody got to smoke? And then, old later in life, like, so then, Lori smoked too back in the day. Um, She'd smoked all through high school and whatnot. She was getting away with it. She was getting away with something. Did. The she religious upbringing and all that, she yeah. She was raised Mormon. Don't want to speak for her too much, but yeah, she was really rebellious with the smoking. And uh, we should get her on we, here and talk about Mormonism. Oh yeah, we we both smoked when we met. Um, but my so we quit in college, or I did. Just New Year's Eve, just said I'm not going to smoke anymore, and I just stopped huh. for a really long time. I was 20. 21 or 22. Yeah. Okay. And. Uh, Lori and others marveled that I just like up and stopped. Um, it, that lasted for eight or nine months. I think I smoked again. But even in when you first met me, I was smoking occasionally. Really, uh, I the baby days periods where you would and yeah, summertime. That was my thing. I would like I'd smoke in the summer at picnics and barbecues and stuff. Stress, man. I mean, work and little kids and all that. And then, like, come September or so, I'd have one, and it would taste like shit. And I'd be like, okay, we're, we're done. Put it away. And then next June or July, like, yeah, it's time. And I remember one, the last time I really smoked in earnest was at uh, the job I had before my current job. So, like, six, seven years ago. A lot of road time. Very stressful. Hated it. Hated the job. Uh, and found myself, like... I actually got to the point where I was like first thing in the morning having a smoke. Wow. Uh, I wasn't supposed to smoke in a company vehicle. So for that summer, I was driving like into Washington County, like two hours each way. Oh, my God. And like I'd stop a couple times on the way and have a smoke. When I got to where I was working, first thing, have a smoke. Like I 
That was yeah, that was like six, seven years ago. It was it was that was kind like, of the end of it though. Once that summer was over, I really haven't since it just when something hasn't occurred to me. When something serves an emotional purpose. Yeah. Like that to soothe. I was leaning you know, on it. I was like, I fucking hate my life yeah. smoking. Why do you think it relieves stress though? Nicotine and the it, release like of just yeah, you're agitated. Think about it before you get a fix. Of something, of something, and then when you reintroduce the stimulant, it fucking calms Ver- us down. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It would. It. It's that counterintuitive I, thing. Like, why do they prescribe amphetamines to people with attention deficit? It seems counterintuitive, right? Nicotine but the, is a stimulant, right? But yeah, there, it's a. I, I don't. I'm not a chemist, and I'm not a psychiatrist. Close. But we're talking about a similar thing where caffeine is a stimulant, amphetamines are a stimulant prescribed for ADHD and you would think that they would make you more unfocused and more unsettled and whatever, but the introduction of it for whatever reason can be called me like bring you down into hits focus. that button a little bit. Like, I don't know how, how it works exactly, I, but that's a, I actually phenomenon. got to that point, like from smoking socially and just because what else are we going to do? We're dumb. <laughs> We're young, dumb people mm-hmm. drinking beer and smoking to that point where it was like, Oh, I need, you know, I, Gotta take the edge off, like that that idea, that phrase. Take the edge off, mm-hmm. like it does make you feel better. It does make you relax. You do get a little bit of a buzz from it. Yes, little that's, little buzz. That's true. Little buzz. Short. On a on a minor level, like with coffee, I'm not delusional about it, and I accept that my day is fucked if I don't have some oh, coffee in the morning, up to midday, and then <laughs> cut myself off. But I mean, yeah. And Michael Pollan has written and talked about this too, where he realized that like his brain functions better in some ways. Well, and you'll get a like a headache. Caffeinated, though. I'm assuming yeah. you would just like if I don't have coffee, I'll ha- I'll get a headache. Which is like, how weak are we? If I don't, if I'm not buy some coffee <laughs> in the morning, I will have a headache by ten. I'm gonna be, be a real bear to hunting. deal with. Yeah, yeah, I'll be hunting if I don't get some coffee. So pretty fragile that way. Yeah. You know what's funny is that the I know exactly what you're talking about with the craving. Mm. I distinctly remember that feeling. Just um the need to have one and then you recognize this is what dependency feels like. Yeah. But the hard part then is just arriving at the decision I don't smoke anymore. I'm not going to have any cigarettes because I don't smoke. Mm-hmm. And I feel like once you actually make the decision, quitting is easy. It's like wavering. I quit because I was around my sister and she had a baby. Mm. And I didn't want me to be the smoking aunt. You didn't want to put the cigarette in the baby's lips. <laughs> smoking aunt Chris. Smoking. She's the aunt who smokes. I just didn't want to be Her that kiss person. Her always tasting How like true? an ashtray. How true. Yeah, so I was like, well, it's decided. I'm not well, yeah. going to smoke anymore. Yeah, it's it's a little bit like putting a mask on these days, right? Like it was something that you were doing out of consideration for your sister and her husband and this niece of yours. Like, I care about you more than I care about myself, almost. Kind of, right? yeah. It, it was that care. whole kid thing of like, my life matters more than I think it does because you're here. And so... You matter more than mm. anything. So by default, 
I got to clean some do, of my shit up. I can't yeah. do wrong by you. You're innocent. <laughs> right. yeah. You don't deserve this mm-hmm. misguided rebellion. I'm thinking of the ashtrays that we used to have in college in this house I used to live in. We just overflowing oh, with yeah. cigarette butts Jesus. and little, what do you call the end of a joint? Roach. Roaches. And I'm like, what? why didn't we just empty the ashtray? It was like a mountain. Yeah. That stuff like that. Uh, is this a sculpture at this point? <laughs> are we it's ridiculous. building something here or is it somebody please flush and the toilet? Every beer can I know. had leave a little in the bottom to put no, out your I cigarettes have, in. I saw, and then somebody kicks it over. You know, I saw places like that in college, but I lived with my brother through a lot of those years where he was doing like a post grad thing in a in a lab and he was such a neat freak. Hmm. And our place was always so fucking military tidy. Fastidious. Fastidious, yes. That it's honorable. You know, that that's something that I think we always we learn from our parents. It was definitely an inherited trait of like the connection was made young and early and very strong that the outward manifestation of your environment is kind of a direct reflection of what's happening in your mind. Mm-hmm. And you have, Whoa. if you're able to impose order on your space, you have control of your self in a way. You know, it was an expression of self mastery a little bit and pride. And like, we're going, our yard is going to be mowed. It's going to be. Well, now you just sound like Jordan Peterson. I do sound like Jordan <laughs> Peterson. That right? Absolutely. Huh. Yeah. Clean your room. Neat freak. Clean your room. Mm. That That's did. his advice to young people who are trying to change the world ah. clean your room start demonstrate that you can have mastery of the 12 by 8 space you occupy ah. before you start telling the grown-ups how they should be doing things like, wow that's yeah. fair and that's one that's one of AA his, uh, has fair? A, a has an expression i'm not in it but i've known people who are and they talk about sweeping your own doorstep mm. to, mm. Very, before sure. you start getting into other people's business and their problems as well. And you're, but the, the, the neatness thing, but the neatness, like you're saying, that's another, that's the next step up is I recognize that just because someone lives in a cluttered space. Now, I think I've kind of evolved enough to take into perspective other people's Hmm. opera modus of operation and like what they were exposed to. They weren't necessarily raised with people who emphasized it as much as mine did, Mm -hmm. but there is, Definitely, I think something to be said for like uh, the weight of too many possessions, like bringing some order to your stuff and arranging it in a thoughtful way does sort of calm at least me, you know, and architects, my son's an, a, a studied architect. and I think he's having to think about these things design wise, like how do you make people feel comfortable in a space and finding that balance, you know, is, um, it is a process and you collect a lot of shit throughout your life. But I think one thing that I'm learning and I keep learning is letting stuff go. You know, what do you keep and what do you let go? Right. Betting the farm. That's the Comarie way. Does it bring you joy? Does it if it does you? not, the what way? 
Cone Marie, I think her name is. Cone? Con? Cone? I'll look it up. Shaka Khan Marie? Shaka Khan Marie. If it doesn't bring you joy, right. get rid of it. Well, that just happened on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, <laughs> they had to clean up the office, and anything that doesn't bring you joy had to go. You can imagine where that went. But No, very true. We talked We talked about this on the farm pods, too. Cone Marie, uh, a.k.a. Marie Kondo. Which name is her first name? Her official name is Marie Kondo, but also ah. known as K-O-N-M-A-R-I. Hmm. She goes by Con Marie, huh? If she's right. The tough part with kids, of course. You get a lot of shit. So much shit. The joy. Blinking shit. The joy of like, we don't have to keep the stroller anymore. Woohoo! Yeah. yeah, if we're not careful, we're going to go right down the betting the farm road again. I think we could. But yeah, we just had Christmas. We could, you know, it's topical there. Right, because you're adding more shit to everyone's life. Oh, God. the wor- That's the worst part. Mm-hmm. And what I, one of the rituals in our lives, I guess, at our house is like, we barely, we used to decorate for Christmas a little more. Now it's just barely. We put up a tree. We got a couple little heirloom knickknacks that go up. And they just get more and more like beat up every year. And it's, you know, very minimal part of the charm. But just to just to even have like the parents over for a a meal or something. Mm -hmm. Eggnog with rum in it. You have to take a box and get rid of like all your normal stuff (laughs) to make room for the Christmas stuff, (laughs) like trays of cookies and Mm -hmm. the food everyone's going to bring. And year after year, I would do that. I'd fill this box up and put it in the garage or in the basement or whatever. And then three, four, five months go by, and you stumble on that box again, and you go, I could just shit can all of this. This was carefully moved around the kitchen mm-hmm. for months, years. And then I put it in a box and got it out of here, and I never thought of it again. And now I can take this whole box of stuff, mm-hmm. and no one will even know. Just whether, don't open it. If I just got rid of yeah. it, because whether, it's all don't open nothing. It. Whether it's a mistake or not, the feeling of just dropping stuff off at Goodwill. Oh. Is a little bit like the catharsis of going to the dump, you know. Oh. You just drop shit off. Feels you feel really good. Lighter yeah. and like a new man. Like you just got a confession mm. when you're a guilt-stricken Catholic of mm-hmm. nine or and whatever. You know? Given your absolution after you say your Hail Marys <laughs> and your glory be to the fathers. Uh, that is the big battle and Christmas too. Like I don't, we don't have little kids anymore. Uh, but just even at the level that we have Christmas now with our pretty grown kids, you too, I imagine, just more, seriously, more right, stuff. You know what? Why as did much, someone get you that? As much as, we're be- more stuff. As, as much as we're bemoaning stuff and gifting, mm-hmm. let's take one step back at least and say at some point in the year, at any time in your life, it's nice when someone actually kind of nails it. And so does, true. Does I'm a, cynical. Does a thoughtful, Sam over here. makes a thoughtful gift that's like a handmade thing or a one of a kind gesture or whatever that is beautiful and a really nice expression of love and like something that you might cherish. Like not all stuff is stupid shit, bad shit, wrong mm. shit. So true. Like you got some stuff has got to, at least for me. And you can see it in the way that I decorate. You know, I worry sometimes and I think about like, I've got 
toys and stuffed animals and child-like things around. And if someone didn't know me, they might come in here and think, <laughs> suspended <laughs> failure to launch much? This guy is grooming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the fact that I know, regardless of that person's judgment, that that rattle thing belonged to my children. Mm-hmm. And it's a reminder yeah. of being a dad to them. And the Kermit the Frog, my brother used to whip me with that thing. The plastic eyes were hard and it hurt. Mm. But it's been around forever. The Muppets and Jim Henson is like, to me, represents a fountain of eternal inspiration. You You're know? following the Marie Kondo way. Yeah, right. It sparks and, joy. These things uh, spark a certain... Innocence. Uh, they're like they're like also artifacts that bring me back and remind me that my memories are real and mm. tangible. Oh, true. To a real, you know, to have... There is something about having a physical touchstone to some of these things because so much stuff that can happen in the past, at least in the way time works in my mind, can just seem like a total fucking dream. Do you have any precious cargo from your offspring, Chris? Um, my son had a stuffed animal, woof woof, mm. that I hope it's super beaten up. Yeah, super original. Very, 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 very beaten up. And my favorite uh, memory of <laughs> something that Woof Woof was involved in was... So Woof Woof actually came from Ikea. That's where he came from. Oh, you don't say. And at one point got lost. So oh my God, that sounds like a crisis. then we had to go get another one. And he was called Other Woof Woof. Oh, jeez. So Woof Woof and Other Woof Woof. And at one point, I went into the kitchen of our house, and there was a chair pushed up to um, reach a high cabinet. I should say there was a chair next to the cabinet, and and on a high shelf, the cabinet was open, high up towards the ceiling. Woof Woof was on the ground, and then next to Woof Woof was an open box of cookies, that was in that high cabinet at one point, and then it was on the ground. So I used this as like a detective might. I'm like, evidence number one, the chair has been pushed to the side so someone could stand on it to mm. reach a high cabinet. Evidence number two, the cabinet is open. Evidence three is the cookies are on the ground. And evidence four, this, this, this was the final... Nail in the coffin. Woof woof was on the scene. We have an accomplice. I know who did it. I knew. I knew exactly who did it. Uh, So that would be one memento that definitely meant something. For my other kids, there's a onesie that my son wore home from the hospital. Hmm. My firstborn. Uh, I've kept precious few items. I'm sure we got a couple onesies around. Capes. Capes uh, were big. Capes. The boys in their Sweet. caped jammies. Like a towel, terry cloth towels? No, your your silky numbers with the S on it from Superman kind the of The Superman jammies and the Batman jammies that had the capes. Mm-hmm. One of our you bet. boys you bet. couldn't 
go anywhere without it's a, those commercials for laundry soap you know so it's sweet pretty standard but yeah one of our kids was so attached to the cape and he couldn't go anywhere without mein cape uh. <laughs> was he german mein cape that's just how he said it mein cape and then the only oh toy God, that i really so kept sweet. mein cape oh my god which kid it was max and uh, so sweet. the only toy that I've really kept, like so many toys have just been destroyed and like are in pieces. But we have this Legos plastic uh, egg carton by Tomy. Remember toys that were Tomy, T-O-M-Y? Mm-hmm. Yes. You, you open the little lid on the egg carton and there's six eggs in there with little faces mm-hmm. that are painted on their shells. Mm-hmm. And then when you lift their shell off. What? It matches the face that's underneath there. Oh. And when you push on the little chick inside, it makes a little. Oh, my God. <laughs> With each little push, it gives you one. I can't believe you still have all these pieces. Yeah, that is impressive. That's, that's impressive. what I. That one toy through the moves and the evolution of things. I held on to that. All the pieces, it's still uh, there. So that one toy sits in a locker in my mudroom under all my hats mm-hmm. with the capes. That's all I've really got. It it fits in a it fits in a shoebox or less. It's so small. But, but th- that's you won't the let meaningful. Go of that one. No, never, never. If there's a fire, I'd go grab it. Ah, oh, I don't. It's so sweet. I don't want Just that. kidding. I'd have my arms full of records and I'd be going, get out of my way. <laughs> You'd be kicking the You'd kids. You'd have grab some dogs. records. Dog <laughs> under one arm yeah. and a dog under the other. Get back in there and grab some records. <laughs> the dogs would have LPs on like a harness. <laughs> and meet me in the yard. <laughs> okay. okay. Here we go. I don't have a title, even a working title for it yet. Just written today. Fresh off the presses, Dan. On the back of a route sheet. Can't can't wait. This for is the, exciting. For the northern Milwaukee this route. This is fresh creativity right out of the shell. There used to be glitter everywhere. It would land in my beard and chest hair somehow and sparkle inappropriately in the blue-collar context with a camo-wearing co-workers with a sticker on his truck that said, Panty Dropper. Glitter and the nail polish smeared over my cuticles. Uneven, but even so, so fabulous. Glitter, too, on the temporary tattoos. She giggling stuck on the top of my bald head. Pineapples, unicorns, kitties, could be anything. But where did all that glitter go? Now the lovely young lady goes to the salon with a friend and comes back glamorous to the frumpy old dude in sweatpants and slippers doing his level best to let go, be grateful, be present, look ahead, instead of wondering where the glitter's gone. Caught on to that pretty quick. You had to brag about your chest hair, of course. <laughs> I'm not bragging, Dan. It's just a <laughs> scientific fact. I've got luxurious chest hair. Very true. It, you were complimenting the I'll catch up. I'll the- catch up someday. <laughs> 10 or 12. <laughs> Soon they will be a mighty patch. No, that was beautiful. And I, 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 I get where that's coming from. You've seen kids go from adorable, cute little yeah. toddlers to adults. Yeah. And yeah, it's you wrestle with, uh, hey, stay present. Enjoy Oof. this phase yeah. that they're in. But oh, my God, they were so precious. 
Yeah. <laughs> and perfect. Kind of at a at different times and Oof. they're gone. They just, just they're imagine just gone. having them reside in your body and like the nostalgia of that. Like feeling them kick from inside of you. Oh, you think you're better? You lost me. You lost me. I do. (laughs) You lost me. No, that's insane. Another level. That's another level. The bond. I I mean, you're talking about bonding and like this amazing, incredible bond to that sweet, innocent. And it's like, I feel like that's just an extension of that first movement where you're like, oh my God. Hmm. Come here. Come here. Feel this. Feel this. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Our oldest. So sweet. Xavier. Just came home this week because he's out of the house now. Oh. Um, living with his buddies. Has has been for a while. Moved out in August. Um, he came home for dinner to grab some mail. You know, mm. just the usual 20. He'll be 21 on Wednesday. Whoa. Pretty crazy. Here, Xavier. Yeah, he'll be 21 Wednesday. He's working. He's got class at 10 and he works till 10 that night. So he's like, no, no celebrating. And we're like, yeah, welcome to the jungle. Um, oh, my gosh. But Lori very much had a... When we were hugging him goodbye, because it's almost his birthday, you know, she can she can remember all the stats from that uh, night, that eighteen hour period or whatever it was. It was long. First mm. one was long. And she's the kind of sentimental mom that's. Like oh yeah, and she just remember rolling like, it out for me, and being like, "Hey, this is how it started." And when she mm. was hugging him goodbye, like it was registering. Like she, it's that time, you know, once a year, you kind of run that down mm-hmm. of his little story. Our little, our little bobo. That's same. My son's birthday is tomorrow. Yeah, he'll so, be yeah, it's on, it's on the 14. mind. All, the last year before he 12. enters teenhood. Oh heavens, he's only twelve. Mm-hmm. My goodness. But My still, oldest. he is turning a corner. We say he's only already, 12, but it's uh, he, the boy is becoming a man fast. My yeah. kid and my kids are relatively yeah. self. He's self aware. Still believes in Santa. Still believes in Santa and the Tooth Fairy and the Tooth Fairy. I think the Tooth Fairy is sliding because the Tooth Fairy may have forgotten to come and get some teeth I'm gonna... recently. Oh, <laughs> oh, no. Tooth Fairy was drunk. Tooth Fairy has been very busy with the new well, executive orders about COVID. This may seem like pandering, uh, but good work. If you can get someone to 12 and they still have that place in them that's mm-hmm. not dead yet good ah, work thanks that shit ain't easy yeah uh, and I once it, when it's gone it's gone uh, real world will crush him we have a lot yeah. of we have a lot of magic happening yeah when it's gone it's gone and he still has it so mm-hmm. good for him my i had a point about him you were talking about bonding and um growing up oh he's starting to feel differently about me and you can sense it and you can feel it of like uh the eye roll mom is he gonna start sneaking some cigarettes kind of clueless i've waited for this yeah just kind of clueless and what's funny to me is he's self-aware enough that if i mention it i'm i'll just say hey if you're starting to feel like i'm annoying the hell out of you it's normal you're gonna want to hate me and it's okay. I won't be offended. You're not going to hurt my feelings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm expecting yeah. this. It's I'm expecting expected. it. Don't feel guilty. It's this is what's supposed to happen. 
And so, because he's the kind of kid that would be like, I'm really sorry, mom. You know, I didn't want to. And I'm like, you know, be mm. kind and be Don't courteous. Don't be rude to me. But kind of a it's okay. You know. Yeah. You got to have yes. a little grace with uh, hormonal because his body is about to mm. go through or yeah. is going through some crazy transitions too. And mm. it will. I've told you some things. Oh, I've shared all sorts of things, you know, that go on in my house. Mm-hmm. And you've you've had some pretty horrified reactions, like disbelief mm. with some of the things. Uh, so I'm going to say welcome to the jungle. <laughs> and Thanks, Dan. Your oldest. Comforting, if sad. Sounds a lot like our oldest, mm. uh, who actually kind of feels bad about rolling his oh. eyes and telling you where he can put it. Uh, <laughs> number two and number three, they won't be so... They won't be as sweet about mm. it. That's a, but I now years of re, uh, decades of research across my four children. You know, um, that's just what I've noticed. Is we have a classic oldest who was even when he's an asshole, he's nicer than the other ones uh, about it, and they sense of responsibility. just better about things. That's, always better about things. Mm-hmm. Always. And you can't explain that. Like, is that. uh, But the birth order thing. Birth order. How different characteristics apply to, like, you've got to think there's something universal about the sense that the vigilance that a parent has with their first child, the energy and the focus that you put in. And they got all of you for longer. Mm -hmm. Uh, The undivided attention and nurturing does probably make certain kinds of imprints. Yeah, that 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 connect them in a way to authority that makes them a little less rebellious, maybe or less tendon tendency to be like, I got to distinguish myself somehow. So I'm going to act out against all this other stuff that's happening. A little more responsible, just sort of uh, automatically. It, It seems a little more automatic. Um, hmm. But yeah, my, I can't wait till somebody calls you a bitch or something. That's going to be fir- so great. Ooh, that is not going to oh, be a happy day I can't for them. wait. I can't nope. wait. How much do it's you new think frontier. your How much do your kids do you think fear, and how conscious are you of as a parent of your looks, and just the energy that you can convey through, like when they've crossed the line, and you give them a look like um, I'm hurt. That's crossing a line. How you know yeah. you don't have to say anything? Do you have one of those looks? No, only Esme. Only the five-year-old cares about that. You can give her a look, and she'll be like, "I'm sorry." I can make her cry with a look, Un- unintentionally. Wow. wow. Yeah, interesting. Wyatt is more. He is extremely sensitive. If he hurts my feelings, or if he sees I'm hurt in some way by something, he's very. Responsive and responsive. Yep. I love you, mom. You're the best mom in the whole world. But Wyatt is also the first to help if you need to shovel snow. Mm. He's the middle child. He's the the least to complain if you have him take out the garbage. He wants to cook. He wants to work. He's like, put me to work. Give me heavy things to do. Work and breed. And it must Mm -hmm. be said. Okay. Like kids have any kid who's smiling. It's a sweet thing, but. I've observed Wyatt smile, and it is uh, like nuclear level, <laughs> sort of. It's radiant. Intense. It's radiant. It's when he's happy to pitch in there about anything, you feel it. You feel sure. it. He's yeah. extroverted. Yeah. So, 
That's Brayden's introverted, yeah. would rather be reading than doing anything except kind now a, playing with kids his own age. Does it remind mm. you of your sister? Kind of an Adam's Mm-mm. trait, you think? or I think, no. She was way more introverted. Okay. Not interested in a lot of social stuff at all until maybe high school. But Brayden's more balanced than you're saying. He's For sure, yeah. But he also is still, like, every time I say, guys, it's time to eat, we're going to come to the table, every single one of them brings a book. They're just like, we're going to read at the table. Garfield. Makes us look bad, doesn't it, Dan? Makes us yeah, look I've had bad. quite enough of this boasting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm like, books away. We're having guys, a conversation. stop improving yourselves. We're trying Gar- to connect Garfield? now. Put the books down and go get a phone <laughs> yeah. to stare at. Get a tablet and play and gamble online. Yeah. I do make like, them practice having conversations, though. I'm like, now you ask me how I'm doing. No, that's that's basic how that manners. works. That's oh. basic manners. I've had to coach no, very, my son oh, good. so many times, too. Like, now's the point, Oliver, where you look up from the phone and <laughs> right. make eye contact with me and say, hey, Dad, mm-hmm. I, I confirm that you just asked me how my day was, and it now is. I'm asking you how yours was. If you'll and check the script, <laughs> you at this point. Empathy received. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oliver empathy returned like one of the things that people <laughs> like you don't have it's amazing when you go into being a parent the genetic lottery like mm. you don't know kid to kid what you're going to get you have no idea really mm. and then gender to gender if you get gender splits throw more variables into the mix so it was really great in a way for me I think that I had one kid who was super extroverted mm. And another who was quite introverted. Hmm. And uh, maybe it's always a little more interesting or challenging in a way when you're having to try to relate to a kid who sort of opposes you and what your tendencies are, right? Like I'm I'm an extrovert. Just listen to me talking to this microphone for hours and hours. But for my son, who's a man of few words, meeting him on his level... You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. not expecting him to be too much like me and accepting him and appreciating him for being mm-hmm. different, you know, and letting him be quiet and not taking it personally. Mm. You know, like every every parent, I think, on some level gets to a point with their teenager where they're like, they fucking, I might as well not exist. I'm invisible to this kid. I'm just a source of food and keeping their laundry clean and whatever. It's so thankless for every teen almost, it seems. But when your teen is also withdrawn, Mm -hmm. just kind of naturally and reserved, it can feel, I think, maybe doubly isolating of like, do you register me at all? (laughs) You know, you got to really work to... Stay connected. That's you asking him. Yeah, me asking him, but... Kind of like, are you in there? Yeah, yeah. Anybody in there? Hey. And this sounds kind of lame, but like, are we we cool? You still, you know, like, uh, is there love there? Are you still... Are we still connected? And does that matter to you? You know, do you recognize how important this is? In a way, mm-hmm. like all that I've invested in you, do you like you're waiting for the give back with your kids on some level? You don't want to have big mm-hmm. expectations, but when they do start without prompting, asking how your day was, 
once or turning it a little bit and you go all right you know success <laughs> so i don't know that i i don't know that we have that i mean our boys are definitely have their differences but we don't really have a huh if i never thought of it hmm. thoughtfulness introvert extrovert kind of thing or yeah uh Sure, there's been the icy, no ta- silent treatment type stuff, but uh, no, everybody's pretty chatty. Everybody's pretty honestly comparable. I, everybody's comparably yeah. outgoing, temperament uh, wise. And temperament wise, yeah, yeah. Chris, do you have? It sounds like you've got a range. That's the culture where of does, our team, I guess. Where does Essie fall in the? I know she's only five, but she doesn't seem introverted to me. No. Well, I'm kind of thinking back to... And were you an introverted kid? I would say no. I was kind of half and half. Um, I was thinking back to what we were talking about last time we met about... How did you put it? Warehousing? Children? Yeah, talking about daycare. Yeah, daycare. And... uh wondering whether staying at home with your kids in those early years created the kind of bond that would later make it easier for them to um, emerge out of that, oh, it's just my dad, and like come back to you as a person and say, oh, there's a human there, and I'm kind of interested. How was your day? And I actually kind of, I, 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 I love you. I, you yeah. know, yeah. The, the, I don't know. The, what do you think, Dan? Do you think it's like, because you were the one who, who said like, this is the downfall of, this is going to be bad for America. Well, if, I'm sorry. If, if we start. If I might really quickly. Oh, go ahead. Go. Just, I think like the way that one, one thing that's sort of universal is just when I think about the relationship that I had with my own dad and how drastically it improved the moment that I stopped living under his roof. Mm-hmm. There you go. That's as old as time. That's as yeah. old as time. And that's kind of universal, but I was proud of, or glad, I guess that I had a chance before my son left my house to be really honest with him, you know, so that the way that we handled conflicts had a level of like, maturity to it and just talking man to man about stuff that maybe I wasn't allowed to, you know, um, you're having sex. Okay. You have this girlfriend, you're sexual. I'm not going to shame you about that, but let's not become a dad right now. Maybe, huh? And here's here's some condoms or, you know, but, but, no, it was perfectly timed Roy Arbison. Roy Arbison growl. A horny growl. A horny growl. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. whether my kids recognize that that's an evolutionary step of saving them all sorts of trauma of repression and all of the other stuff that we had to wade through before we could enjoy oh sex. You know, to just be like, all right, it's Generational. You're here. Mm-hmm. Here's how we do this and in my own way I didn't harp on it but I was able to say to him like consent mm-hmm. and not only consent but be one of the things that I wanted to talk about tonight was generosity 
and like I think as a it's awkward talking to your kids about sexuality but like in line with the whole consent thing is coaching your kid to be sensitive to their partner and be like hey here's how you appeal to the, your partner's emotional health you get them little cards you talk to uh, your Oliver son about yeah this. like I can talk to Are Oliver you gonna talk to Eden about it too sure sure mm-hmm. absolutely the whole just give and take nature of like what are you doing to show appreciation for this person mm. and keep them invested and like be a generous loving partner mm. to somebody interesting mm-hmm. you're I don't harp on it again but it's like these oh. are I I don't I can't give them financial advice there's a lot of things that I don't know a lot about but I do feel like in terms of interpersonal relationships and like how to be you know considerate and and that just that that line the 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 differentiation I think between when they're a kid and they become an adult is when they start thinking about other people a little bit showing you know any kind of signs of just consideration for others and I and feel unselfishness like and you know cur- genuine curiosity about the world outside themselves. I would say you're pretty unique in what I've heard with other parents of kids the same age in that when Oliver went to college freshman year, yeah, you speak like he's out of the house and he's an adult now. And most of the other parents that I've talked to, they don't consider college or like 18 or they don't consider that moving out. And like now you're an adult. Good luck in the world. Mm. So I'm really curious about like that um, picture of things, whether it's specific to the person he is or whether or he's directing the whole thing for sure. Mm. I think you, in a sense, are tailoring your response to how much they're asking for or what they want. And Oliver, mm-hmm. it goes back to his sort of self-contained reserved nature like he doesn't want you calling too often he doesn't want to talk on the phone for two hours he doesn't want to hang out (laughs) and you know connect in a way that you prefer but he will give you in his own way you know for instance ollie's going back from spring break back to college on sunday so tomorrow i have some time and I said, hey, let's drive halfway and meet your grandma for lunch. Hang out together. See a state park on our way back or something. Just spend some time with your old man before you go back. Which is an ask. And he has every right at this point to be like, sorry, Dad. Got friends to mm-hmm. play video games with my girlfriend and make out with her. That's more fun than hanging out with you. And an old lady. But he said, <laughs> yeah, man. And an old lady. I'm... I'm down. Nice. You know, and that's all I need. That's Mm -hmm. all I need at this point. When I, because, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm some kind of guru or I've I've figured it out, but like what I learned from the things you can learn from people doing it wrong, Mm. I learned, you know, a lot of lessons about someone who couldn't 
turn out of themselves and meet that person where they are. Mm -hmm. The onus is on you as an adult to say beyond what comes naturally to me or like what I'm into, what do they want? What do they, what turns them on? How can I nurture them? And, you know, doing that is easier said than done, maybe. That's the circle. That circle goes one way. It goes outward towards your kids. Yeah. You can hope that they're returning something to you. Well, but you, there's not an expectation. It comes back, right? Like my son's, my son's, my son's not into poetry. He's not into music the way that I am obsessively. He's got other things. But but one of the things, like if you throw enough stuff at a wall, it sticks, is what I feel like about this. And that I took him to a lot of parks and exposed him to a lot of the natural beauty in Wisconsin and the glacial stuff in the Driftless area and Way more else. beautiful than Iowa. Agree. <laughs> God damn it, Higgs. We don't need to take it there. There's no reason to take it there. That's uncalled for. Flag on the field. Uh, but But now that... Part of how I was able to entice him in this trip tomorrow is like, we're going to be by the Mississippi River. There's going to be some cool parks. There's going to be some cool rocks. There's going to be stuff that he, not just me, his mom too, but that we exposed him to when he was young. And it took hold. And now it's his, in a way. You know, a love for geology and geological history and and, and state parks and things like that. Beautiful. And hey, be good able... news. It's something you have in common now. Like, oh, hey. Things in common. You can so... always go for a walk forever now. Yeah. Like, feed it, feed it, feed it, feed it. Identify it and feed it. There's something so different about... And you can smoke at the park. Well, we're going to definitely generation... smoke a lot of cigarettes <laughs> and do some chew <laughs> while we smoke. Our generation is always asking, how can I be in, of service to my kids? Like, how can I feed them how can i make sure that they get the chance to be the best person they can be and it's so if i feel like us as kids Mm. it was like what are you doing for the family and what it was like get over yourself reversed yeah uh yeah shut up a total 180 absolutely seen and not heard sit down stop making noise Stop being a disruption. How you know did what we the, get we'll here? Leave, in we'll one leave ge- when we're ready. One generation. Don't ask to leave. We'll leave when Stop we're ready. Stop hitting me up yep. for quarters to play Pac-Man. The- Jim Gaffigan had a joke where he was like, my dad couldn't even bother himself to turn around to see what was happening behind him mm. if the kids were doing something. Like, that's how invested he was in He would just activities. shout out the, uh, at the other What's direction? going on back there? <laughs> and it, it was a higher... Is, it's oh like my! Vince. I don't want to go down like the hierarchy or patriarchy road, but there was a, there's a hierarchy then For when sure. we grew up, absolutely. And it was you definitely knew your place in the hierarchy, which was irrelevance. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Irrelevance. Well, it's true. Well, yeah, it's it, it. It reminds me of corporal. You don't punish. have a say. Corporal you don't have input. Corporal punishment was also, I think, oh often a. A pure expression of that, like it really drove it home, right? Like, yeah, if you spoke out of turn, you'd catch a beating. Yeah, and I'm not an advocate for a beating, but having to have evolved out of that method, where that was used on me, mm-hmm. I did at least appreciate the efficacy of a a, a well directed beating, 
You know, like it's just It's not the same as you're gonna lose an hour of screen time. You know Is what? that what you're saying? Yeah. I can honestly You keep that up, mister. <laughs> We're not gonna have a second cinnamon roll. <laughs> I can honestly say the same thing. That whole I was not spanked. I'm doing this because I love you thing. Any of that. Belts. Like I actually Yardsticks. That was yes. my experience. I got the belt. Uh I think we can Ouch. all we three Pod Musketeers here, when he was talking about the honest openness uh, of being parents mm-hmm. now, uh, the generosity, being sensitive, being patient, being curious, teaching, and then you do that for so long, and then you start letting them know, like, now you ask me how I'm doing, you mm-hmm. model that behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we all, I think it's probably unanimous here at this table. Uh, you know, just, your, your sex example, just, you know, just saying. Uh, I don't know about your houses, but I'll take a guess, I suppose. Uh, in my house, a lot of answers like, well, if you don't know, then you shouldn't, you know, then you shouldn't be asking. Or, you know, answers like that. Mm. If, you even, if you even dared to ask a question about something because most of the time you knew like i'm just not gonna ask i'll find out on the bus i'll just <laughs> ask someone else i will i'll learn another way mm-hmm. mama couldn't sit beside me when i rode the bus to school i couldn't help it over here in the boom boxes but i don't want the bad asses all the in the back conducting classes of a different kind go on and all the you know the reli- all the religious stuff i've bagged on about upbringing and so on and yeah we've i think probably all three of us here have just flipped that table over in the temple and tossed out the merchants. Jesus story. No, I'm getting confused. Oh my there. God. No. We're Complete. mixing metaphors and Jesus is involved. It's been that way since they were babies. Probably too much. Complete honesty too and much. openness. Mm-hmm. I've, I've told them. I don't know though. Is about, honesty. I mean, there's something about having a filter and pacing it at the right time, but generally mm-hmm. speaking, as honest as you can be. That's I've, that's pretty foolproof. I've pretty much been an open I mean, channel. I think Lori and I both have been pretty much an open channel of honesty. Especially, I'm it, sorry. If it means enough for you to come and ask, we're not going to give you some. Ah. We're not going to placate you with a platitude. Answer yeah. about it or say that, well, that's God's will or something. No. Uh, they've gotten the unvarnished truth. And, like, yeah, that's dude. been my special privilege with them, I can say, is when they've had hard times and stuff, and I've had to tell them hard things. Welcome to the jungle, mm. kids. I get to say that constantly. Um, <laughs> but one of my favorite things that I've gotten to tell them is, like, nobody, not your grandparents, not your mother, not anybody, is going to give it to you as straight as I will, and it's not going to go over well, and you're not going to like it. What are you talking like? Give an example. Uh, or is that too personal? It no, some, too maybe personal. some some is kind of bullying incident or uh, something sexual or something. You know, any oh, okay. any any manner of of life problem that can okay come your way as a teen or you know sure or even younger or or now you know that's something I've always told them is like that's what you. You'll you know that you're gonna get the straight truth from me, no mm. matter what. I'm gonna tell you the truth. That's that's huge, and, and that's, I, I, but that's I a real honor for me. Uh, yeah. I think to be that, that guy. I think yeah. the, the 
the subtext to that is, and you know that I love you underneath all of this. Paul yes. Simon, it always comes back to Paul Simon. I know you see through me, but there's no tenderness beneath your honesty. And when you're a parent, there's tenderness beneath the honesty. There's a Absolutely. there's a sense of, I'm trying to help you here. And that was one of the conversations that I was able to have with Oliver. Like when he was in, engaged in a lot of pointless rebellion was, you can't always reason with a kid at that time, at that age. But to really make it clear and be able to say honestly, like, I'm not your enemy here. You're defeating yourself. You're making things harder for yourself here than they need to be. I'm really just trying to yeah, to help you out here. It's man. amazing how young you can start telling them that too. The yeah. tantrum, just like, dude, you're just making this take longer. Like, there's nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and the, the telling them the straight truth, but it's going to be followed by a hug. You yeah, know? absolutely. Like or, I'm going to tell you things you don't want to hear. Or that the reason. Bring it in. Or that the intention behind telling them is critical as well. You're not just trying to hurt them. No. You're trying, you're doing it to elucidate, to, you know, to help guide a little bit, but then where the guidance stops and I'm going to respect you enough to make the call. That's where you keep from being codependent. And, uh, and, you know, I'm working on that. That's a transitional period, you know, because starting that road of things don't always work out and where'd all the glitter go? Things usually don't work out in a lot of a lot of settings a lot of times chris i'm the opposite it's been been two men talking a lot for a while well i was thinking two things three things can women think three things at once i'm not sure be careful oh i'm quite sure call guinness so (laughs) the the first thing i was thinking of it's really fun to be that you guys are shattering white male stereotypes Mm. just as I'm sitting here because I'm learning so much. My kids are younger than your kids are. Mm. And I feel like there's all these nuggets of wisdom you guys are dropping. That's what we do, Dan. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I'm going to have some I'm honored. tools. <laughs> as my kids are getting older. And I was thinking that... I was thinking of... What you were saying that your kids can rely on you for the truth. And I feel like my kids can rely on me for the truth too. But I probably what they are going to grow to rely on me more for is hope. Because I really, Mm. in any circumstance, can find a silver lining. The optimism, it does make me wonder. Because what I like about our generation that we've learned especially if we grew up with codependency is that we can be honest like hey this is a really hard thing that you're going through having to move schools every single year and that would those having were, to wear a mask those were choices yeah i feel like in past generations my family or families i knew might have the parent might have made it about them like well, we have reasons for why we did that, and there. Don't you, let me down. If you could understand my story, then, you know, it's sort of like at, when they're growing up, they don't want to understand your. You're story. You're protecting their reputation and their ego more than they are worried about your. They want the, our job as parents. Too, yeah. I think we see our job now as how do we validate and support their experience 
regardless of whether it gives any emotional food back to us. And that's different for sure. And I think that honesty serves that purpose really well, like what Dan is saying. Like, yeah, you're going through a pandemic and it, no one's ever done that before, before you. No one's ever gone through fifth grade, sixth grade in a pandemic and had to go through this. You're doing it, though. Yeah. And my tagline then after that is, and I'm so proud of you. You're doing a great job. And generally speaking, there's ebbs and flows in any circumstance in humanity. It's going to suck and then it's going to get better and then mm. it's going to suck you know and then I, it's going to yeah. get better. And what this builds, those waves build resiliency. So if anything, it's sort of like that sort of annoying optimism they're going to get from me their entire life is just going to be like, and aren't you amazing? <laughs> That's always <laughs> like the tagline at the end. I have to because I do. I see them that way. Well, it's nice. You know, I remember getting to the point where I, I finally realized that not everyone was going to welcome me as warmly into a room as my aunts and uncles mm -hmm. who would fucking erupt <laughs> into a, oh, my God! <laughs> and he's in the room! <laughs> Sometimes it would be loud. There would be song. You know, when I was uh, uh, first communion, my aunts and uncles were the choir for the service, and they were. And there was a song that they repeated, uh, a, a a verse that was looped for each kid, which was like, "Alyssa, you are special. There's no one oh. quite like you. God <laughs> has made you special. Wow. Congratulations, Alyssa." <laughs> And then wow. the next kid would come up and they'd be like, that you're not a <laughs> Zachary, you are special. There's no one quiet like you. How sweet is and that? Then, I mean, it was like three-part harmony. It was pretty. Your family's it was, so loving. It was nice. But then when I got up there, it was like they modulated and no lifted the roof off the place. And you are special. <laughs> wow. And, uh, you know. What? Like but picking favorites, but it, but no, it's that legacy that you're talking about of like your kids will know or associate with you. The the tag at the end is always, "You're so amazing." Mm -hmm. You, but are, they know I mean it. No, it's not bullshit. For real, yeah. you are my superstar. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of devotion that this world is lucky to have you. Kind oh of yeah, among, yeah. yeah. Uh, the confidence that someone who's known you your whole life reminds you of your worth kind of, I think, is part of what it is. And it means a lot coming from, you know, I don't know if the gravity is because people have been able to follow you through the whole arc to where you are now and to be like, hey, look at where you've landed after all you've been through, sort of. Well, I think the difference, too, I'm thinking of this experience you. I had when I was growing up and my mom took me to get like a psych psychiatric evaluation because I was having problems in gymnastics with fear and I couldn't do things. You were getting boobs. We know this story. No, before that. Fourth and grade. not even smoking could help. I, n this was way before that. Fourth grade. Mm. And I wasn't she able started, to do stuff. didn't start smoking until fifth. Had that a lot of anxiety. <laughs> and... My mom took me to get like an evaluation where they put like electrodes on my head. And how did you f feel about that like at the TV? time? Well, 
what bothered me the most was she said that the doctor said life was going to be hard for me. Like Chris is really different and life is going to be really hard. But for some reason she shared it with me and I don't know why. And so the correct message would be for your kid. We've learned some things. This world is going to be changed by you. Not like you're going to have to change to be in the world. It's opposite. I feel like large presumption for a parent to have to make though. And I mean, all you really want is for your kid to be normal on some level when you're raising a kid, right? Like a well-adjusted, this Mm. kid can function in society. You know, they're they're getting good reports from the parent teacher conferences. You want all that, but in terms of like messaging that's helpful when I'm, I feel like that was part of what shaped now when I see my kids, I do think there's room for you here. This world is adaptable and you're here to be you and no one else can be you. So if that means like if you have attention issues and maybe you don't do regular high school and you start an apprenticeship freshman year, that's what that means. If it means, you know, we sure people like part of it. It's sort of like like having having the vocabulary for different types of people and different types of learning styles and things like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Like the evolution has come far in in relative terms, not a great distance. Right. Like one generation from our parents to us, Mm -hmm. we've we've got names for things like attention deficit disorder and depression and anxiety and social anxiety and, you know, things that just in and of themselves, being able to put a name to something and seek treatment for it and maybe even be covered through it, covered for it through work and like, you know, incremental. It's just the steps may be there's progress. Yeah. People talk about mental health and, and and the fact that your mom got you in even to see someone in the 80s or 90s like that means she was kind of in some ways ahead of the curve and that you were getting help. You were seeing a professional at a young age, which is not everybody gets that, right? Um, Probably. I didn't. I would say it was not helpful and it was terrible messaging that was damaging. The wrong therapist can be <laughs> the wrong therapist can be bad medicine. And your mom was like a principal or something? Right. So she was an educated woman ahead of her time, maybe. Maybe. But it didn't, but it wasn't the right. Not maybe. By her position, she was. But it, I'm not saying she failed. Yeah. I'm just saying it helped me shape who I wanted to be as a parent. What was helpful? What was not? What but was damaging? Is, but this is Dan's, Dan's point earlier where he's like, well, that's the story as old as time. Every generation thinks I want to do better than my folks did. Right. That's the American dream to a degree, too, is to provide a better life for your children. And unless I misheard you a little bit, your mom is, you know, she's taking you in to get the electrodes on the head. Like, the well-conceived play, perhaps poorly executed, though. It's too. Er- it was too early in that era mm-hmm. to go about it correctly, but at least she was trying to... Uh, uh, Put a put a a better name on it than like well, or, she's weird. Or Chris, before right. you go, real quick, trying real, to 
Yeah, no, Dan. To this era we're in now where everything has a name. Like, this is the 70s. On there's target. There's no names right. for things yet. On target. It's just, that kid's weird. That kid's hyper. Yeah. We had a kid who came to our school, our grade school, and four or five years in from somewhere else. And before he came, the teachers told us, like, he's hyperactive. Mm-hmm. And it was that was very early in this naming things mm-hmm. era. And, like, we may have to tell him to, like, calm down and i think they might have said that he was medicated you know that was early uh they tried to medicate me he's a full-fledged freak by those standards early this is you know 1970 uh no 80s like you're expecting a kid with a horn coming out of his head uh in your room (laughs) and my i was told that my first and second grade teacher same person uh miss lewis tried to get my parents to get me you know, she's on the leading edge of this ADD uh, awareness. Yeah. In 1981, two, three. Wow. And my parents, you know, my parents are born in the 30s. They're like, you're not going to give my kids. Bad he needs to run around more. You know, yeah, he needs to go outside more. That wasn't, ha- you know, they weren't receptive. I guess I'm just trying to say that your mom was the whole electrodes thing might not have been the best motif. But like, it wasn't the electrodes. It was saying life is going to be hard for you. That's uh, not the message. How helpful is that? Any you're, go, you're going there for help. I didn't care about the electrodes. How helpful is that? It's not it's helpful. It's not. It's not helpful. And I think a good psychiatrist, yeah. we've talked about this before, is like a good coach. Right. Is like a good teacher. Is like rare. And like Is like the exception because most people aren't exceptional. That's why exceptional is called exceptional. Do you feel like maybe you've found therapists since then that have been wonderful? It's part of how you got to work. It's one of the things I think that has encouraged me to be this generator of unwavering faith in my kids. Mm -hmm. No matter what, I'm going to believe in them. It doesn't really matter what else is happening in the world. You know, that's your job. And I know that it's important to be seen through those eyes by some like someone if someone can look at you Honest. through those eyes with coupled with the honesty yeah the world's fucking rough but you know what you, you can fucking handle it you got some work to do but you're great mm-hmm. or tough or smart or whatever their quality is that they're yeah, the, the whole balancing, cultivating the whole balancing the critical point mm-hmm. and having to push them sometimes and challenge them Mm -hmm. without sending the mixed message of, but I still believe in you. There's patience to that stage of the game that we have that maybe my parents wouldn't have indulged in too much either. Just like, oh, get over your fucking precious feelings and come down here and fold this laundry now. Whether you feel like some alone time or you need some time to process <laughs> fuck yourself and fold this and you know what make helps you process busy. feelings folding laundry <laughs> <laughs> i jotted a number of things down here and i was going to point at you and say point at me and but both of you really we're a nice diverse trio here we're more alike than you think the brutal, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm always gonna play up the brutal honesty part. That's an honor to be that. I get to be that for my kids, mm-hmm. uh, that they know that I am the lighthouse. That if they need the truth, they know where to get it. Uh, I don't tag it so much with 
you're special. Mm-hmm. But it is tagged with an optimism. But it's more of a uh, stiffen that spine because you can do anything. It's chin up. Ah. Chin up, dude. Chin similar, up. Chin up. Head up. Yeah. It's, it's a similar vibe, but that's a mother's love mm-hmm. and a father's love. And that's nurturing. So it's more alike than the yeah. maybe I instinct. pass it off as. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The mm-hmm. nurturing instinct for a m- traditional male is not so much to say, you know, I see you and all of your vulnerability and your strengths and I accept you as a whole. It doesn't seem like we're allowed or the traditional male is allowed to embrace that whole picture. Their role is to be more like, hey, you come from hardy stock. We weather hard shit. We are tough enough to weather anything and I've got your back and soldier on in a way that that's a broad stroke and it's simplistic. And I'm not saying that a woman can't pass that message down too, but do you see what I'm saying about how, like from my dad's generation, that was the only script. He didn't have the script that read, I see that you're anxious and you're suffering with fear and that's real for you. And we need to get you some help with that beyond what I can do for you. It was the, I've got a, I'm in control of everything. I'm a man. Everything's controlled with toughness. I'm trying to think what my dad's script is. It wasn't that. He didn't, he didn't. Come on, Sugarfoot. Come on, Sugarfoot. Hmm. That's a racehorse. Right. In my mind, at least. Sugarfoot. I got that. Tom. Not the, not the best. (laughs) Tom was a, it's good. It'll be good for me to think about. But Tom Uh, was a rationalist, right? Like he was a rational guy. He wasn't overly religious. He had a skepticism and a uh, kind of libertarian streak. I don't even like. need to like figure yeah, this out maybe. right now, but it's something to think about. Fair enough. What his line was. Uh, the next bullet point I had was the, the meeting on their level. Like, yes, that has come a long way from kids born in the 70s to kids born in the aughts. What are mm. you into? That's really come a long way. But... I do meet them on their level, but to a point, I still have a bit of that asshole in me where I have a hard floor on, like, say, video games. Mm-hmm. Just, I will listen for a moment, but I just say, I, I'm just not interested in video games. <laughs> and that's my prerogative. I am, yeah. I, my concrete is set. Video games stopped for me at 8 bit systems, mm-hmm. maybe a 16 bit system, Sega Genesis, Tech Mobile. Uh, the last version of Tech Mobile was so awesome. The, I just, and that is a that comes from a place of love though like guys i am your father i'm a lot of things i can cut it up with you all day long but at a certain point like i am a serious grown up here and there is I not i am of room, a different time there is not room in here for video games i'm sorry you know i'm I glad you're having fun yeah. yeah but i save it you know what i i got and that's a somebody has to tell them like you can't go into work and tell the boss about video games all day. Like, this isn't a transfer. Some, some things skill. are just yours, hmm. and they're not going to be shared. Well, we have a lot in common, yeah. but not that. But also, sorry to be an asshole, but you know, welcome to the jungle. Hmm. I don't think, you know, it's it reminds me of the push and pull between like trying to keep an open ear and heart and mind to your kids' music, hmm. and not 
doing the whole get off my lawn, this mm-hmm. isn't music, you never heard the Beatles or the Dead or the whatever mm-hmm. you're in love with thing, right? Like, it takes a certain level of, of empathy to not condescend, but also let them know that, like, generational difference is a real thing on some level and i don't yeah. just i don't just ask for respect because it's traditional but because you need to honor the number of years that i've walked the earth sort of thing very I think simple that can yeah. translate because i have a line too and it's guns mm. and if they want to get into guns and shoot guns with their uncles and go hunting and all that i feel like that's cultural that's like a cultural difference well you're in wisconsin yeah i grew up thinking guns were crime and that was my culture no Mm. firearms in your floor routine in the gymnastics well and outside chicago like but southern chicago that shit was happening it did not mean right interesting sport didn't mean sport no so that didn't mean family i'm not (laughs) and then i was a criminal justice major if you may recall at michigan state for a year and a half and Special agent and Chris Adams. did not necessarily see how guns contributed to the health and well-being of our society, and I just kind of formed an opinion about them. So, but like to what you were saying, if they're interested in guns, like my son Wyatt is fascinated by guns, loves Nerf guns, wants to blow shit up. They're so realistic now. You know, talks about joining the Marines, stuff like that. And I'm like, so did Oliver. You know what? I love you. I don't want to hear about guns. So. Right. uh, But good for you though that that you have an interest. I don't want to hear about it. We we're not, uh, you know, but you're more outgoing and Oliver's not like we're just not the same in everything. Yeah. It's not not even disapprove. It's just Just, I'm going to believe something differently about this. You know what you do? I think that if it becomes important enough to him about enough to him that you would will maybe surprise yourself by finding yourself, you know, extending yourself into like, well, tell me about the guns that you like and what you like about them. And that general level of curiosity you have about anybody's interests and what draws them to it. And like because that's being seen when a kid hears you being curious about what they're into and even if you're not really interested i'm not trying to give you advice here but i'm just telling you what i went through with oliver like he's into cars and auto mechanics and souped up you know hondas and Mm -hmm. stuff from the 90s and i give negative fucks about all of that to be honest but i do get how there's an aesthetic and there's a culture and there's something there that has caught him and he's fascinated with it. So I try and make conversation with him about it being a neophyte, not knowing it, and just having him be the teacher. Like, tell me about what well, makes Oh, sure. I do that know? with my kids a lot. Yeah. Guns are a different but guns situation for me because I feel like gun lobbies. Like it's the a bigger dark issue. So mass shootings. And you can get along really well in life without ever picking up a gun. Really well. 
and the supermarkets are stocked with fresh meat. Well, and even if it's a sport, how about a bow and arrow? How about crossbow? How you know what I mean? Like, hmm. there's other ways you can. You would respect a, hunt. a bow and arrow more than a gun. Fuck yeah, that's skill. That's. I I kill things with boomerang. This thing this came full circle, the other night when Xavier was home. Hmm. Uh, he uh, bought a two thousand something Focus. It's a five-speed. He always wanted a car with a stick, so he bought one. Wow. He's, he's really into cars. Not so much, not really souped up. I mean, there's, you've only got so much money. How much is the car payment? Uh, it was like a five, six thousand. A vaguely car. sporty oh, okay. little coupe, though, right? Right. That's little hatchback. Not... Right. He used to drive a Crown Vic. And then when he was able to buy or was motivated to buy his own car, he wanted a little, a stick, you know. A, a glorified go-kart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he... So, and he was talking about all the things that are wrong with it. It's how I don't even know what year it is. I, I forget. Um, and I, uh, he's having clutch problems and it's going to lead to transmission problems. And I was like, uh, you're going to take that to somebody. Right. And he was like, no, I'm going to do that myself. And I was like, oh, well, you're going to, ha- you know, and I'm kind of like, Higgins, I, you know, Higgins. I browse up like, oh, that's going to take a long time. And you're, you're uh-huh. and you he was have like, all the right tools for that. Because auto mechanics oh, no. is another one of those things where, like, his, you can't just fucking half-ass your way into a new brake job or things like right. that. Like, when you put brakes on your car, there are life or death consequences as to whether or not you did it right. Lori's side of the family, uh, her dad, and more so now her brother, Uncle Steve, has a ridiculous garage, you know. Very there. That side of the family is super car oriented. So he gets all his car rocks off with them. Ah, Good man. And so when I was like, all these things can serve as bonding agents. It's love language. Some people express love through tools. Exactly. And that's just like with the video games. Like anytime he tries to get excited, because all cars are to me are something that costs a lot of money. And it just that I have to inconvenient. And I got to buy insurance for it. And like all they do is go down in value. My kids have put dip chicken nuggets in the. So he told, uh, so he said, well, it's going to take a couple days. I'll have to make time with Uncle Steve, blah, blah, blah. And I suggested, well, you know, sometimes you just got to take it somewhere. And he was like, Dad, you don't understand. And so for all my years of like having a floor or a ceiling for their interests and stuff, he did it back to me. And like you were saying about, you know, Mm. you're proud when they take some initiative and, you know, that sort of thing. He like put me in my place and I was like, you're fine. I've done my, I'm, I did. So I had to pat myself on the back and say, dad, good job, dad. Hmm. No, he is his own thing. He is super interested in cars and wants to fix his clutch himself. Awesome. I couldn't have less interest in that. He knows that and he doesn't hold it against me. He's just like, dad, dad, please. Men are, <laughs> you're out of your lane, dad. dad grownups are talking. Yeah. Grownups are talking over here. And I just like, I was like, oh, okay. And I went back to the game. I turned back to the basketball game that was on TV. I was like, yeah, you're right. I'm out of this. You're I good. remember wow. when, when Oliver got his first car and he wanted to change the oil. Wanted to change. That was a thrill. Wanted to change an oil. Wanted to change huh? the oil in it. And I was like, I'm not fucking getting under there, all claustrophobic. And then a lot of times the fucking filters in some awkward ass place, and you scratching your hand. Oh, and the driveway like, oil change. Yeah. Yeah, it just it's a pain in the balls and not comfortable for me. 
So I take it to Jiffy Lube or whatever, and he was like, fuck Jiffy Lube, that's 50 bucks, and I'm a broke teenager. I'm mm. going right. to, I need that money for weed, Dad. Yeah. I'm going to change this myself. So I got him the ramps and the bin we got the, yeah, we and the, the wrench or whatever, mm. Xavier does and he got in there and did it, and I've got to say it was a proud moment, even though auto mechanics don't mean anything to me, that he... It's that word again, initiative. was like, I'm into this. I think I can handle this. I'm growing in competence yep. and confidence. You just see this kid like taking flight sort of, you know, mm-hmm. and and handling shit mm-hmm. that is adult level, you know, responsibility. And they, you're not leading the horse to water and asking him to drink again. They're, they're drinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll s- save all the anecdotes and say, yes. Even if it's something I don't like. Even if you're showing initiative in something I don't like, it's initiative. <laughs> it's yours. Mm-hmm. You're on your path. Go. You Go know, do it. Meet low And find path. out that it yeah. sucks or fall in love with it or whatever. But yeah. do do it for you. Do it yourself. We're, we're done doing stuff for you. This might open a new door here, I think. Uh, your mom... Last time I'll say the electrodes on the head. I, I wish there was a picture of that. That'd be so it would great. Be, I That'd think. be so great to put on our website. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should start posting images, by the way, though. The, like Dan and my handlebar mustaches yeah, together definitely. would yeah. probably. I think they're coming through even get through a lot people's of ears, most likely. Yeah, I you think can, they can feel it. Can you hear these like, mustaches? Like right headphones now? wrapped around their. Yeah. I uh, think they can feel them on their cheek. Yep. Your. Your mom, in her Yikes. her good intentions, uh, telling you, you know, was it your mom or the doctor said, life's going to be hard for you? The doctor said it to my mom, and my mom shared it with me. Okay. Because Chris needed to hear that at 12. <laughs> well, guess what? You're really young, but the rest of this ride is going to be <laughs> bumpy. Hold on tight. going to be bumpy. Uh, we are, we've come to the point, and I will... Well, we don't need details, but when your kids are born, you think they're going to grow up, go to school, get good grades, succeed, go to college, be successful, have a family of their own. And you, you have this, we all do, the shared narrative of like, hmm. what, what do you want to call it? Just the, the dream uh, of of happy, successful kids that go out and fit in and all that, you know. And when your kids your kids get old enough that that's not what's happening. That's a weird thing. Not checking every box. And like nobody dreams of nobody holds their baby and goes, "Oh, someday you're going to get terrible grades." <laughs> and every day of school is going to be a mortal struggle <laughs> for survival. You know, and we've experienced that. Don't want to name names, but yeah. not everybody is aced school. Yeah. And not everybody whether it's wiring or interest or whatever has exactly dominated at school and been the valedictorian. You didn't, you didn't uh, plan for that when they were a baby. No. You know, one of the things that I want to impress upon my children, if this podcast may serve at least for a record of (laughs) if they ever listen to any of these kids, one of the things that I hope that they remember or take with them is, is like, 
if they get to a critical point in their life, like Eden right now is talking about, she's really in love. She loves to go to the salon and get acrylic nails put on, and she's into fashion, hmm. and it's couldn't be further from my world or interests but it's it's a total example of like hey feed what she loves or what she's into ask her about the color choice and whether or not she debated before she went with the hot pink and see what she has to say or just listen to her patiently and in an engaged way when she talks about all the shit that is Can way out your wheelhouse can you tease her a little bit about it oh can you can you have a little fun with it or is it absolutely too... i make okay. fun because that's how fun. outside of it i am and how clueless i am for sure that's that's a that's a part of it um but but instead of saying eden you're a brilliant young woman you don't belong in a cosmetic salon in this surface sort of superficial world of looks and glamour and you know where's the substance and i know there's more to you than this there's more to me than this my ego is wrapped up in your identity hmm. a little bit but you have to back away and remember okay she's 15 freshly 15 and she's her own person and if this is what as marie cuomo or whatever her name was <laughs> says if this uh, is what akimbo uh, that's uh, what i said dan <laughs> uh if that's what lights her up yeah you've got to listen to that you've got to abandon whatever other preconceptions you might have had about who she'd be and look at who she is and say okay and when she wraps those acrylic nails around that gun for the first time <laughs> even if you don't understand and it's not your jam. You uh, let her shoot the skeet. It, all this, it's fun to talk about this parenting stuff because we all are doing it and so on. Uh, and this road, the road less traveled thing, like you were you were saying about, you know, maybe you won't. What, what did you say about, uh, I don't want to name names of your kids because uh, I, I can't. But uh, no, I could. I really could. Uh, no, you can't. Wyatt Esme and the one in the middle. Uh, <laughs> no, Braden's up top. Braden, Wyatt's in the middle. Um, Wyatt is. You said sheriff. like, maybe, hey, maybe math isn't your thing. Maybe you do an apprenticeship or something like that. Like we're at that point. We mm -hmm. have a twenty, an almost. We have a twenty-one next week, and two eighteens. There'll be nineteen in July, uh, and a seventh grader. Uh, but we're at that point, mm -hmm. and we're not saying like someday you're gonna have to find your way anymore. It's fucking here. Mm -hmm. It's so here. Are you using a line that Lori's dad used on you? Like, do you need a flashlight? Yeah, fucking uh, find dad. He's finding himself. Yeah, doesn't need a flashlight. <laughs> Zing! Yeah, hot sauce, hot his, mustard. His best joke ever. Uh, no, it's. And all of our parenting spicy, here, spicy mustard. all of our go find it yourself and I'm not going to be interested in everything you do and all of it <coughs> has led to this. And that's that's uh, like Xavier graduated from high school, lived at home for a couple years, and then just all of a sudden uh, news hit the wire that he was moving out and moving in with his buddies. And we were just like, huh. 
two years and change. Okay. That's how long that took. Um, and so th- his brothers graduated in 2020? A year ago. Or 2021? Yeah. June of 21, right? Yeah. June of 21, they graduated. COVID school, it sucked. We went over that. Time has recently. taken on a different quality since pandemic times. But it's yes. True. And so we've kind of told them, and every, there is no, well, the only template is whatever template we make. There is no template for our. You've got a individualized program because even between your twins, they're radically please. different guys. Yeah, Unbel- Incredibly. And so all we've really said is like, well, congratulations. Welcome to the jungle. Uh, you're not kids anymore. I mean, even though they are, let's face it, 18 is still kids. Uh, Xavier lived here for two years and change. Uh, there's no perfect system, but start your clock right now. And every <laughs> every now and then, is there a, no no, uh, no rush? But Dan, do you have a large hourglass that you well, turn? Well, take you as much it? time as you need in the next twelve months. And we're saying, <laughs> and then we're not gonna. When two years and change pass, we're gonna kick you out. We're not saying that, <laughs> but we're saying. You should have that in mind, at least. Hey, yeah. you know you what? You should the... be thinking that. And I'll go June, July, August, September, October, November, December, January. Oh, my God. It's been eight months. You know what? Have Where are you? Ah, what's yeah. up right now? Checking Can in. Can you believe it? You've been out of school for eight months. Uh-huh. What What's happened in those eight months? And that... The thing that you that you're looking for, I would think at that point, though, is like and what you're hoping for, even to a degree, even though it's bittersweet, is. The kid who can't fucking wait to get out of your house. Yeah. And have huh. what, wh- where, when does that switch sounds turn? Sounds like a Shangri-La. Should I move in? We need to put a little more glass in the nest. That's what uh, Lori said a while back. But The nest but, is too comfortable. But, Time to put some glass in it. Wow. You know, my dad, I called him recently. I said, what are you doing, dad? And he said, I'm critter proofing the outhouse. And he was putting, he dug a trench around his outhouse and put broken glass and motor oil on top of it and then covered it back up as a de- as a you know turret that's his wall oh my god critters to get into the so you're saying make the trench with the glass and the motor oil around your neck well so your kids it's a don't daily get too comfortable it's a minute by minute day by day struggle of like how hard do you push do they work if you push too hard they everybody do. works yep but everybody's but, got a job but this is the this is the initiative point that we were talking about earlier. At what point are they like, I want to bring a woman over to my room and I don't want them to meet my fucking parents. You know, I want to get on with my own life and all of these other people. I love them, but they're cramping my style. It's different timelines, though. Oliver arrived there earlier than dance kids have. But it's developmentally. Oliver Nath. And Oliver Higgs, two different Olivers, to be clear. Yeah, developmentally, though, everyone's on a different timeline. And yeah, we're so we're. I don't know if that's nature or nurture. It's a lot of. What what do you. Everything's a combination. (laughs) Yeah, it's a nature and nurture, and another yin yang Hmm. would be carrot and stick. Like, yeah. Hey, take all the time you need. It's been eight months. How are we doing? (laughs) Anything happening? Are we <laughs> getting a plan here? Are we yeah. you thinking about getting out of here? Uh, yeah, you want to get freaky with somebody? Like, you know do you what? really want to do that in your childhood room with <laughs> Quincy across the hall? 
you know. You, but to the point of, of Oliver, here. to the point of Oliver liking school, you could look at it on the nurture side to be like, well, his mom's a professor. Mm-hmm. He likes school and he knows how to navigate that pretty well. You know, there's a there's a line, right? It's not coincidental that people come from family lines of lawyers or doctors or whatever, like a certain amount of momentum gets built into this is right. the family trade. This is what sure. we do. And on his mom's side, that's what it was. And even architecture, to be able to go to Greece and see the Parthenon and see some of the old classical pieces of architecture that have stood for 2,000 years and things like that, his environment produced in him you know, a clearer vision than maybe another kid who didn't have the opportunities that he had. It might take him a while to get to it, you know. So you're saying nurture is more Nurture was a big part of it, but one of the things that I I think is coolest about what Oliver's doing is, and, like, I think you'd try not to live vicariously through your kids, but you can't help but think, like, he reminds me of me. He looks like me when I was his age in a lot of ways, and, like, you think, man, if I could know what he knows uh now and the fact that he's in a trade but it's a creative trade it's like the best of both worlds a little bit you know what i mean like there's a real world demand for his creative impulse he gets to be an artist that's a good lane to be in but he also each it's commission in each project there's the variety and the playing with shapes and being a builder and I, I, I envy it. I really do. I, I think, think it's great. A blend of like what's needed and what you want. I'm going to argue more towards nature, I think, because Lori is more an academic. She's a scientist. She's got multiple degrees. Dan says she works in a science. school. And that's not out of reach if if that was the course that they were, you know, it's feeling. Not, and she was not an indifferent parent i'm sure when Jesus they were no. when they were going through their semesters Mm-mm, and failing invested. like she was in the and fucking school with them at the time maybe even and you were more maybe started off as kind of a trade and now it's become a like a different kind of professional track mm-hmm. so i feel like it feels more nature to me but they the, definitely got a model of like hey the trades are the the, the 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 trades aren't shameful like mm-hmm. we, my dad is supported of in large part a family of four doing a trade and Mm -hmm. we live a pretty good life here and like whatever you know and all this stuff you know that you were uh way back uh your dad didn't have the language to be sensitive you know and it's for us i guess and and what we're all doing here with our kids uh just modeling it you're just being a show. Don't tell. That's the strongest teacher. Your example. Evolved. Don't lecture. Sensitive, dude. And you're a whatever you are, and uh, I am whatever I am. You know, we are just. It's more than just what we say to them, and it's what we are. We're modeling every single day. The way that we make them feel, you know, I've heard that this is a platitude and belongs on a dentist's wall, I'm sure, somewhere. But, like, kids don't remember what you say, but they remember how you made them feel. Mm. And I think about that sometimes in the way that I handle my teenage daughter's melodramas and things. That if I can ground her a little bit, it would be like, hey, get over yourself. But 
being a teenager is hard. And I love you even if you're not doing well in school. Or, you know, that balance of, of harsh reality, truth, and unconditional love. I don't know that there's a handbook on that. It's an evolving sort of balance that we all have to try and wrestle with as parents, you know, to let, to support, to love, to nurture, but also be like, hey, dude. That's a lot to focus. juggle. Like, yeah. just to be like, um, uh, I'm your mom. You can't talk to me that way, but you sound really stressed. What's going on? Yeah. It's sort of like you're just right. constantly... Mm-hmm toggling toggling and it's a lot parenting in that way it gets a little more complicated when they get older but you know people bemoan that but i alluded to it in the moan bemoan he's been a dominant word generator tonight you've had a number of have i yeah i can't remember i didn't write them all down but you've had you should keep a a record i've heard an elucidate in there and i heard a Right. Neophyte. I heard neophyte <laughs> talking about cars. Am uh, I am I flexing obscure no, it, no, vocabulary in a way that's no, no. it's not like, untoward does, at all. Does it's, he does he even know what he's saying? One of the, I listen to Marin a lot on pod, and something that he bemoans a lot. I don't mean to bemoan the word bemoaning. Bemo- I'm bemoaning it. Mm-hmm. But his parents were narcissists, and he uses that word. And that means that they couldn't do that thing, which is stop mm-hmm. obsessing over yourself <laughs> and look at the person next to you and say, hey, man, how are you holding up? When you complain, but when you complain about a parent who was a narcissist, they, that means that Marin's parents didn't do the kind of thing that we're talking about, which is stepping outside of themselves for even a moment and trying to meet the kid where they are. Mm. You know, what are you into? Who are you apart from just what I want you to be? You know, that leap is more possible in our generation because we are perhaps just, it's an evolution thing. I'm kind of curious how our kids are going to end up having been validated through their childhood, but also having the outrage that they have at environmental the issues. environmental um, crisis dumpster fire and the ignorance of the generations that came before them. Greed, the selfishness, the lack of generosity. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that's coupled with I sure was validated a lot when I was growing up, but man, oh, they were well, that's, morons. That's kind of the that's kind of the critique of our generation is that oh, you get a participation trophy, hmm. good for you. You're not fucking special. I got a ribbon. You know, <laughs> Dan, do you have? <laughs> well, your uh, your uh, your Jim Gaffigan joke there earlier, where he can't his even dad turn around. wouldn't yeah. even be bo- couldn't be bothered to turn around and look. <laughs> he would just say, "What's going on back there?" Hey, what's going on back there? Is that is that <laughs> what is meant by the narcissistic parent? I'm I I'm trying to make a you know what it was get a line there. I don't think it's narcissism so much as just like at least 
it's not like our parents didn't love us. Because there certainly was nurse. Like he very well might have had there was textbook a, narcissist parents. There was a, I'm just trying to draw the line there. I think a level to just of checked out. There was a or, a blissful sort of ignorance, or just yeah. We're not going to talk about this stuff that's complicated and nuanced because it's aggravating. Right. So let's just Oh, and there's no easy answers and I just want to watch my let's show. Let's just stick with the script. Let's all go to church together on Saturday and dress up and make your mom happy. Make a decent showing for ourselves and make your decent grades and otherwise get along. You know, I'm not trying to lead a fucking revolution here. I'm just trying to raise decent kids who, you know, do okay in school and, you know, have not are not in full, total, open rebellion against me all the time. You know, because that is the instinct and that's the thing. And it's interesting with our generation is I think we give them such little to rebel against. There's less, the less you give a, a teenage personality to define themselves against. I'm not saying it's a disservice, but I'm just saying it's a different dynamic. Very, it was yeah. pretty fucking clear for us. Yeah. Anything that brought us pleasure was fucking evil, so... It was off the table, and we all we had to do was jump right over that line. But it's, it's not as clearly defined for our kids. We might be beating, we might be beating this horse to death about how great a parents we are, but that generosity, like you just said a minute ago, uh, that's a huge difference in our parents' parenting style and our parenting style. Like we are willing to talk about like anything, anytime. And our upbringing was a lot different than that. It was a lot of just like, we don't talk about that or only when you're older or, you know, uh, that's inappropriate or uh, that's immoral or uh, whatever the answers were to shut it down. We're, we got nothing but time all the time. And like that, that groundwork though has absolutely paid off though. And we can say we don't know when we don't know. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. We, and we don't say that's God's plan or, you know, it, and I think it's the generosity. Got to. I'm gonna have to stretch my muscles after patting myself on the back so hard, or all of Dude, us. Yeah, stretch. But yeah, down. that generosity from the jump, pay, absolutely pays off. You, I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know how else to refine that except. It's this is the right way. Dan, here's a question. Answer for you. things honestly. Let anything be a topic it's going to come up eventually it's going to be different when they're eight than when they're 12 than when they're 17 and just be the same consistent honest sounding board that's willing to listen and talk it's like it's like we paid attention to all the after school specials and it's like we paid attention to all the characters in the shows and the movies that were the good listener and the good uh, mr holland's opus uh, Mr. Rogers, Mr. Ra- yeah, yeah. We paid attention to all this stuff, and yeah, I was just thinking that the the way that our relationship, like how we define generosity in relationships now, is connecting. But for our parents to kind of take it back to that, they have probably saw generosity in parenting as 
going to work and sending their kids to a good school. Keeping your fucking undies clean. And that's generous. Mm -hmm. The more time they could spend at work, the more money they could make, the better vacations you could go on. The m or, you know, the more, more um, you'd have a greater legacy to leave. So if you work an 80-hour week and you don't see your kids, they might see that as being generous to... They love their me so much that I have no eventually. idea who they are. But now we define it differently. It's generous if you stay at home with your kids. It's generous if you connect and Dan see them. Dan just touched his nose and he's making gestures. And he's gestures. got a That's light, a light bulb. bulb over my head. Yeah. Yes. I thought it might have been a balloon. but The definition is different, I think, now. E Generosity. E yeah. Because they didn't, they weren't thinking they were doing any harm. The generosity of your time, though, and your influence in their life is something that I felt like I got pretty early on. And like, <laughs> if I'm gonna be a dad, I'm gonna leave my prints all over them. You know. You should you keep know. talking, dude. I don't know if there's more to say. I feel like it's a shift in how we or a culture shift in how our culture views generosity maybe it's a greater value on connection greater value on you know seeing kids as going through specific developmental stages that require different things at each stage knowing that they bond so they're going to bond to someone or something and if they don't then they have attachment disorders and then that translates into real problems later on because they'll attach to alcohol or oxycodone or venison, bad boyfriends <laughs> or, you know, know, destructive relationships. So the self-destructive behavior that never hurts anyone is my cousin right. would say the, the form of rebellion that's misguided. They're hurting themselves to hurt you to not know why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know that it's sort of like the changing definitions of just over generations things change and you know what's weird part of an evolution i think probably is that, not is bad it, though is that just i feel like there's different you know how melodically if you can picture sometimes like one melody might be ascending and then for symmetry in mm -hmm. some weird pleasing way there's a descending line we're that, talking about journey right that mirror sit <laughs> we're, we're obviously talking about journey chris <laughs> and I feel like there's a part of me, there's this dissonance right now that feels like um, in relation to what we're talking about, the evolution of being honest with your kids and being better parents to our children and then them being better parents to their children and that whole evolutionary process that we, you know, Louis Armstrong and what a wonderful world, they'll learn much more than I'll ever know. Mm -hmm. I think to myself, what a wonderful world, that kind of optimism that exists on one hand and is manifest in our children. But the climate crisis is that descending melody to me, you know, like all of this work all to evolve and mm -hmm. be better might be sort of meaningless. Apocalypto. If we, don't, if we have an environment that can actually support these evolutionary developments. 
what's it we will all been i think for? technology will handle it maybe but but it's an unknown there there's dissonance anyway right now i just am trying to point out that like there's there's counterbalancing melodies happening one's ascending and the other's going down and i have great faith in science and it can't all be to send rich people to the moon send rich people to where the moon <clears throat> Maybe we're just beating it to death. I mean, maybe we're just talking the shit out of this, but it is, it's subtle, but it is just a different, the the standard changed. Like it's not good enough to just work 80 hours a week Mm -hmm. and be a fucking ghost to your kids. The modern world, the modern culture has said like, that's not enough. And like Lori's dad, probably my dad, probably your dad, probably your dad are in the, we don't fucking change diapers business, right? Like, how many diapers did your dads change? Zero. Jerry Paul's? Zero. Woman? Dick Higgs? Unclear, but single digits, probably. Right. Where's the meatloaf? And we've evolved far enough that it's like, that's not enough. You work 80 hours a week? Yeah, tough shit. You still have to be sensitive and change diapers. That's interesting. And do dishes. And you've got to be invested. You've got to be invested. You've got to... You've it's time for the man to stand up and tell the woman to... Oh, I mean... You know no. what's different, Be too? emotionally available. It's very different. Let's it has use that changed. Term. That was blowing my fucking mind. But I just feel like we might have talked the shit out of this, though. We've talked about parenting for like three straight hours. I have something else to o- say, we can only say so much about it. It's infinite. But that, that was a fucking hell of a... It's, it's, that's so true. But don't you the think... The model has just changed. Don't you think that the previous model... It, right into the mic. Jesus, Dan. Have a, half a beer. Don't you think that the previous model allowed for people to actually succeed in America? And then when the standards changed and you have to actually be around, be emotionally available, learn how to parent, learn about childhood, and also go to work and think about your own health and well-being. Maybe don't stay in an unhappy marriage. Then... Society starts to crumble. Oh, I can't afford to buy a house. Oh, I can't afford to put my kids in daycare. Oh, like it's those expectations are probably good for humanity, but our society structurally can't support it. It's too late at night to make a point that good. It's true, though, because that is infinite. That you brought up daycare two and a half hours ago, mm-hmm. and that is what it's wrapped up in. And we have to hold this in ice, like the little girl <laughs> with the snowman in the Amazon commercial. Thank you, Amazon. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's the next pod or a different pod. It it's really happening is. right now, though. People it's can't the afford two to live parents in the working, country. The two parents working daycare model, which is the modern model. Mm-hmm. But is it any good? And we just no, spent three hours bagging on... No, it's on, not working. We just spent three hours bagging on gender roles, mm-hmm. but it kept shit kind of together for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. And when it cracked and when it fell apart, is this model any better? This mom and dad both work and everyone's in daycare model? It is, is that better? No. It's tough. That's the, a deep one. The humanity model is good. Like, let's be there for each other as human people. Who's got three more hours in them? Let's but go. then the way we've developed and constructed our society doesn't really work. It just doesn't. It doesn't. Things are too expensive. Chris, 
one time just definitively whose handlebar mustache is better. I told you I'm going to have to sit with it. I might but have to look at the picture. With it. Don't you, you can't make a call right now. Don't make her judge. <laughs> which, which one of your kids do you love more? I would say this. Uh, are we both above a nine? Are both of I'm us? I'm always, always, almost always going to vote in favor of the person who did it first. Dan's you've got had, it. Dan's but he, got it. Dan's got it. Dan, you're. I, I've I, seen, I'm with her actually. I vote for you too. You've had 22 <laughs> kinds of beard and chops and shit over the years, though. It's you've not, experimented it's too. It's not a contest. It's not a contest. Dan, have you ever done a chin strap beard? What's I feel like you might have. This chin strap, a oh, thin no. line along the jaw. Not on purpose. <laughs> Me while I play as a fly enthusiasm aimed at your indifferent scandal flow for one tap into a bobbin head. Better signal coming back on the same map for freaking frequency wavelength. How's reception connection? Don't flip the dial, let's see performance. It's commercial free. It's commercial free. Only thing for sale up here is me and my CD. You're free to catch up on all times at the top of your lungs. Got a mic and I can turn it up, but I can't turn you down. Got a mic, what I need's a new remote. I'm on and click. Point click, flip around for a little more appreciation oh, from the crowd participation. Would it be too much entirely to expect a little respect? Would it be too much entirely? What if what the say is true? Less is more. More is what I'm telling you.